Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. This is Flyperbole with Steve Jacob and Craig Forsyth. Folks, I was going to start this podcast off with some sort of gloom and doom about the state of the world. Things are bad. They're terrible. They're downright awful. But you know what? We actually got a small sliver of... Of ti- a tiny bit of good news before we started recording. It, it, it's like actually remarkable timing. We thought it was going to be like sometime during the recording, but it happened just before we recorded. So I just wanted to formally say congratulations to Sean Couturier for winning the 2019 2020 Selkie Award. Finally did it. And thank God because now, I mean, now everything's all right in the world. See, if you're just talking about that whole preamble, I, I was going to say now everything's okay. I can forget about everything else. Uh, Sean Couture is the best two-way forward in the league. And God damn it, I really thought he was going to lose. <laughs> we were talking you, about you it. Can forget about, you can forget about COVID, the president yeah. knowing how bad COVID was. Yeah, oh. Uh, you can forget about uh, stupid ESPN reporters talking down, or not reporters, but talking heads, uh, talking down on people with mental health issues. Yeah. And... Uh, yeah, journalism integrity all, all of it just forget all of it shakatore best two-way forward in the league uh and uh he deserved Damn it. right i i mean that they the flyers deserve these three of these awards and they're only going on going home with one of them but like well and the one i'm not really going to argue about but uh yeah, we, we talked about the, yeah. the masterton pretty AV. extensively on the previous episode so if you you want to hear the whole argument on that just go back and by argument i mean discussion <laughs> there was an episode but <laughs> I guess we could just cut to the chase. We were going to talk about this like mid show, but Bruce Cassidy won the Jack Adams for coach of the year over Elaine Vigneault. And I was completely stunned by that one because I thought it was either Vigneault or John Tortorella that was going to win. We had it down. Yeah. To those two. And we laid out the body of work for why those two should win. And honestly, Cassidy, I guess there's some merit to it, but it's just annoying that the one year that the Flyers have in a while, they've had a legitimate candidate, uh, the league actually decides to hand it out to a coach that did well with the team that had expectations. So, uh, yeah, congrats on that. And then we'll see it. You know, the the trend will buck next year when uh, the Flyers are good. AV takes a really good team, and then they'll pick a team that was uh, supposed to miss the playoffs and they made the playoffs. But that's a whole thing. We're not going to get into that right now. Uh, Katori, though, did win the Selkie. Uh, he is the third Flyer to do so. Clark won it in 1982-83, and Dave Poulin won it in 1986-87. Uh, I didn't see the actual, uh, well, 
probably look into the voting in a second, but uh, Patrice Bergeron and Ryan O'Reilly were the other finalists. And I really thought Bergeron was going to win it. I don't know. Just felt like uh, they were going to continue the whole, continue to do the whole uh, lazy narrative and just go with Bergeron over whoever else. But uh, well, we we've talked about this before. The this kind of award, the Selkie, tends to really go to guys who have proven themselves to be one of the better defensive forwards in the league in uh, previous uh, years. So, like you've seen repeat winners like uh, Bergeron mm-hmm. and uh, Kopitar. Uh, Datsuk Taves, to, yeah, it yeah. seemed like Datsuk took it home every year for a while. So, uh, congratulations to Sean Couturier for making it into that exclusive club. Yeah, now I he's mean, in the club. Seriously, like he he's been building that reputation since his rookie year, which feels like a million years ago. Despite the fact that the guy's like a decade younger than me, but it's <laughs> <laughs> like it's crazy how long Sean Couturier's been playing. It really he's has, pretty yeah. young, and it's uh. I mean, he's been a defensive stalwart since he first came in, and he really didn't get attention for his two-way game until he he added the offensive component, however unfair that might be. Mm-hmm. Uh, but once he really had his breakthrough year a couple of years ago, that's when he started getting noticed for this kind of thing. And I'm just really glad that he's getting the recognition that we all know he deserves because he's been the best flyer for a couple of years now, and he's just a, a phenomenal hockey player. Yeah, yeah, he's obviously a huge part of what the Flyers do, and you're right, like they... It was always a thing where I don't know if the offense wasn't necessarily there. He definitely never produced at the level that was needed to get attention for the Selkie or to be regarded as like a high end forward, I guess. But he was always with those shitty linemates and he was always, it always felt like he couldn't finish his chances. It wasn't really he couldn't create them. It was that he was dragging Ronaldo and Adam Hall to a goal scoring chance, but then he would like miss an open net. And then people were like, that can't finish, so he sucks. And it's like, well, he's doing a lot of other stuff, though. <laughs> he's doing a lot of I other know, work there. I know, bro. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I so mean, I always think back. I always think back to the one time I had a very under just, I should not have been there with this, but I had a, a pass to do a, a photography pass for the game. And. I was standing there in the tunnel, like taking pictures on my mediocre camera. <laughs> I don't think they were ever used for any website stuff, except for my stuff on the, um, the, the fly purpley blog. I ran for a short time, uh, with the parody stories and such, but there was this old man who just went, Couturier, what does he even do? Or what does he do? And that's, that's just stuck with me because I know he was a great player or a really good player at that time. And we're probably talking 2014, 15, 2013, yeah, that, 14, around there. Yeah, that sounded um, about right, yeah. Yeah, and just, like, the fact that he couldn't, this guy couldn't recognize Coots without the offensive component really made me sad. But since he's added that offensive component, there's just no argument against Sean Couturier being uh, an incredible hockey player. And I'm glad that it is finally, you know, he's being recognized for it formally. Uh, per Charlie O'Connor, you know, Charlie, Charlie uh, said Couturier absolutely ran away with the voting. 117 first place votes. Next closest was Bergeron at 21. Whoa, okay. Holy shit. So that's pretty impressive. Okay, so I guess the league did recognize Couturier this year. Wow. <laughs> That's a oh my god! That's a wide ass margin. That's a legitimate wow moment. Yeah, like, no, that is that's impressive. a stunning number. Yeah, I mean it was building too, so I guess yeah, I guess everybody else was getting kind of tired of Burge. Like Bergeron and O'Reilly really didn't. I feel like they didn't have as strong a case this year. I don't know. Like him and Bergeron, I guess he finally got knocked for being part of like the perfection line. 
like the part of the, being the best line in hockey, I guess that does help your two-way play a little bit if you can also lean on Marchand and a guy that was tied for first in the league in goals. So then uh, Katori doesn't quite have that advantage. And, uh, yeah, Riley's numbers. I think O'Reilly had under 20 goals this year. So maybe, you know, maybe he didn't provide enough offense. But, um, yeah, I, I can't believe he won by that much. And the, like you said, now it's like the now he's part of the club. So he... He's probably going to win at least a couple more. Like, that's just the way it feels like the Selkie Trophy works. Like, his reputation is going to carry him probably to another one at least, if not two. Or a couple more. Oh, absolutely. And uh, full Selkie voting per uh, Steph. Oh, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. Go, I just I just saw this literally just now. Okay. Uh, so, Steph Driver. Uh, Sean Couturier had uh, 1,424 points, 117 first place votes, 27 second place, 8 third 7 fourth and 4 fifth. Uh, Bergeron, uh, 21 first place votes. Ryan O'Reilly with 11 first place votes. Anthony Sorelli with 13 first place votes. And Mark Stone with two first place votes. Oh, yeah. Mark Stone's could be another guy that's probably going to be up there for a while. Uh, and Sorelli's probably going to work his way into this conversation, too. And Ryan, uh, Ryan O'Reilly is going to be there. And Bergeron, too. But, I mean. I really want to see a guy like Stone win it one day. Not at the extent, expense of Katoria, of course, but just to. <laughs> To really, the fact that only center seemed to win this award bugs yeah. the hell out of me. And like Marion Hosa should have won one. Yeah, frankly. that was all. Uh, that was Jeff Merrick's old argument, uh, and I'm sure he probably still makes it to this day. But when the league, when the award was uh, brought into the league, the focus was on wingers, and then for some reason it shifted to once a center won every single year since centers have won. So pretty much, uh, you yeah, know, be incredible. If Mark Stone did it because he's kind of going against the trend of uh, it just feels like it just fits the narrative of like the center being able to play two-way hockey and like win, win face-offs and have defensive responsibility and also score. But Mark Stone is definitely a guy that deserves, man, his highlight reel in this postseason. They had, they put it together. Of, like there's like a three minute clip, which is like 10 ridiculous on puck defensive plays. He's made to start like an offensive chance the other way, which is the definition of <laughs> like this trophy. So he definitely should be up in the running. He's dominating right now. He's yeah. a fantastic player. He's a guy I would, I would do some just terrible things to have him on the Flyers. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I don't know if it's gonna happen now with uh, since Vegas has pretty much locked him up forever. But I would definitely, I fucking love that guy. And uh, Katoria, my guess is Katoria Stone, uh, Sorelli next year for the finalists. I think they're gonna buck the trend of these other two guys, but I think Katoria is gonna be back in there. That's going to be my guess. That's my early tw- uh, 2021 Selkie prediction. There Just you go. Out. Just I like it. There. I yeah. like it. Well, huge congratulations to Sean Couturier. I know this is not the uh, award everybody wanted to win, but this is <laughs> I, it's a great accomplishment for Couturier. It's the one we're getting. I'm very happy for him. <laughs> yeah. and, and, well, frankly, it, it's been a hot minute since the Flyers won a significant award of some sort. Oh, yeah. You know, of any of the major hockey awards. You know, it, it's... It just seems like they're never considered. It was nice for them to finally be considered this year. And I'm, I, I want to go back to Vigneault for a quick moment. Yeah, let's talk about the coach of the year. So, Craig, there are... So what I found out just before this, this show started today... Uh, so the, the there are four franchises with uh, four-time uh, Jack Adams award winners. So the Flyers, if they had won it this year, would have been the leader 
uh, amongst NHL franchises for Jack Adams winners. And uh, instead, the Bruins won it, which made it a four-way tie. So we've already identified the Flyers and the Bruins. Who are the other two teams that have four-time Jack Adams award winners? Or, I'm sorry, they've won the Jack Adams four times. Yeah. Um, And you said you were surprised by one of them? I was shocked by one of them. I guess the Red Wings? Red Wings are one. They are not the shocking one. Uh, it's got to be something weird. Like, stars? Not the stars, but you're... Let's, you're On the warm. right path. You're warm. Uh, coyotes. No, that can't be right. Yeah, that's, that's it. What? Really? I wonder if they're crediting them with the old Jets records, though. Oh, that might be what it is. Okay. So the Coyotes, the Coyotes last won it. Tippett won it in 09-10. Oh, that sounds about right. Yeah. Bobby Francis won it in 01-02. And then, and then yeah, they must be crediting it to the. the oh yeah, I think it has to be. Uh, eighty nine ninety was Bob Murdoch. Yeah, that's that's the chance. Yeah. Eighty one eighty two was Tom Watt. Okay. Yeah, that's uh, that's what uh, I can do. Your Flyers winners, the the first one ever, Fred Shiro. And then Quinn, Pat, right? Pat Quinn in seventy nine eighty, uh, Mike Keenan in eighty four eighty five, uh, and, and Bill Bobart. Barber in yeah. two thousand one. Yeah, I, I thought I really thought Av deserved to win this one. Again, we're not going to talk about the Masterman, but like I, I feel like Av's body of work. I, I would have even been fine with Tortorella too, because I kind of felt like he he overcame a lot of. He lost three superstars. That team went through a lot of injuries, and the goalies were hot, but they still. I mean. He's still Nobody had together heard of Junus Corpusalo or <laughs> Elvis Merzlikens before. Yeah, they season. weren't dudes that so were supposed to carry that, the load. The fact that most hockey fans can name those guys now after that, I think that's a hell of an accomplishment yeah. for Tortorella alone. And the injuries he dealt with, I think Seth Jones was out for like half the season, right? I mean, yeah, they, no, they everybody was hurt for a while on that team. Like you, we can go back and like they didn't have Dubinsky all year, which I know isn't exactly the biggest loss, but still like a roster player they didn't have all year. Um, I think Cam I mean, Atkinson was out for a while. Uh, and they like pretty much every key player, I think, except for Warinsky, was out at one point in time. Like, not all together, but we're out for lengthy points of time. So, uh, but Cassidy, so the Bruins were the only team that won 100 points this season. I guess that is a pretty big accomplishment in 70 games, no less, uh, won the President's Trophy. Uh, and like you said, he is the fourth Boston coach to win the Jack Adams. Claude Julian won it in 2008 09. Uh, Pat Burns in 97 98. And good old Don Cherry back in 1975 76, uh, which I believe is also Rapes. the same year. <laughs> I believe it's the same year he had the too many men on the ice call, uh, if I'm not mistaken. So it's kind of ironic. Too much man. Wanted uh, wanted that year. Uh, Av though, um, yeah, second. Uh, the voting was uh, Cassie had 37 first place votes. He was on 82 of 132 ballots for 252 points. Av was second with 32 first place votes and 252 points. Uh, I believe he had 252 points as well. And then um, Torrella 28 first place votes, 198 points. So the Av like the race was pretty close. But uh, Cassidy had the most amount of uh, first place votes, so I'm sure. Some credit to Cassidy. The, I mean, the Bruins were legitimately great all year, but again, the the Bruins also arguably had the most stacked, talented roster yeah, outside like they, of the Lightning. Yeah, and um, yeah, and, and they really, yeah, it was just one of those years. I guess if we're gonna do this, John Cooper should be up there too. 
because, you know, he's got the most loaded roster and he's helping them. Like, that's why I think it's funny is because John Cooper, I think, was near the bottom of the, the voting in this. And it's kind of the same argument. Like, the lightning well, rods are loaded. To... Honestly, Cooper impressed me a lot this year because that team was in a big hole to start the season. And yeah. they were within spitting distance of the Bruins at the end of the season. Yeah, no, actually, that's a pretty good point. Like, they probably had a bigger thing to overclimb this year of the whole aspect of uh, the, the sweep last year and how they were going to have to move forward through that. And then they actually pushed through and now they're two wins away from the cup final again. So, uh, and uh, looking, Barry Trout's won it last year. Uh, I was looking at AV's other uh, seasons, his first seasons with teams. Uh, he won, so he did win the Jack Abs in 07, his first season with the uh, the Canucks. He also took uh, he took the Canadians, Canucks, the Rangers, and and the Flyers, obviously, all to at least the second round in his first season with each team. So Canadians, Canucks, and Flyers, he took to the second round. Uh, the Rangers, he took to the Stanley Cup final in 2014. Downside of that is apparently with the Canadians and Canucks, he also missed the postseason in his second year with the team. So hopefully he doesn't do that with the Flyers uh, and just does the whole maybe the best coach in the league, you know, song and dance again next year. But that is... Uh, that's a coach of the year voting and analysis. And uh, again, I guess congrats to uh, Bruce Cassidy, but whatever. But bigger congrats to Sean Couturier. Bigger congrats to Sean beating Couturier. The pants, <laughs> beating the pants off of Patrice Bergeron. I mean, it's, it's a breath That's of fresh air. Amazing. But it's again, also, our guy was finally getting recognized. And I think... That's incredible. I I really I think there is some merit to these guys. You look at everybody else's as one. Bergeron's helped the Bruins win a cup. Taves won a couple. He helped the Hawks win a couple cups. Uh, Kopitar too, and um, Ryan O'Reilly won it last year, and the Blues won. So again, it's not like all these guys that are winning it are all a huge part of a cup winning team. And you know, during before the pause, the Flyers. Felt like a cup contending team, and hopefully they'll be back there next year. And um, yeah, I, I, that's why I'm pretty excited about it because the league recognizes that Couturier was the best two way forward this year. So it's just a sign of it should that should be a positive to build off of what was kind of not exactly a fun last week to the season. Uh, and now there's a lot of questions. A lot of the old questions are starting to creep back in the fan base, but I think there's a lot of positives to to build off of going forward. So, uh, you want to talk about the other words real quick? Run through um, yeah, or a couple of other words that are announced. Let's do that. And then we'll go into the... Okay, so we talked about Bobby Ryan won, winning the Masterton. Uh, Matt Dumba won the King Clancy, which is awarded to the player or players who best exemplify leadership qualities on and off the ice and have made a noteworthy humanitarian tr- contribution in their communities. Uh, Dumba helped form the Hockey Diversity Alliance, and he also gave the... Um, passion speech before game one of the Blackhawks Oilers game. Uh, and he was the first player to kneel uh, before a game. I think like that, that was a big part of the write-up about Dumba here. But I wanted to point out that JT Brown was the first one to kind of protest before a game. He raised his fist uh, before a lightning game back at the start of the 2017-18 season. So uh, Dumba was the first one to kneel, but JT Brown was the first one to kind of, you know, kind of make a sign or kind of like protest just in general. So, um, and yeah, Jason Zucker won it last year. I mean, I just wanted to say, uh, that's, that's great that Dumba won that. And I'm yeah. glad that the league made that decision and put him out there because I mean, we, we've talked about this at length 
just hockey being kind of dragged into the the social and political conversations of the day and Dumba is really he's really proving himself a, a powerful force for change and uh, a refreshing view of the league somebody who actually is like standing up and and you see just again so few people of color in this league and to see someone you know use their voice like he's been using it it's a powerful image and uh it's just been he's been making a difference and i really applaud matt dumba for that and i'm glad that the league is recognizing him accordingly for that yeah and i i would credit him with uh by doing the um the speech and kneeling before the game i think that kind of helped later in the bubble when um, the Jacob Blake stuff uh, came up and the players reached out to Ryan Reeves to figure out what they should do. I don't think, uh, I, I don't know if players would have had the same reaction if Dumba didn't take the original stance uh, at the beginning of when the players returned to the bubble or entered the bubble, I guess. So I think, uh, I, I think what Matt Dumba did is big and I don't think people kind of understand the ripple effect of those demonstrations and what they mean for the conversation going forward. So I, yeah, Matt Dumba, Matt Dumba deserved to win it. And, uh, I'm happy he won it. Uh, and the other award, the other major award they gave out was the GM of the year award, the Jim Gregory GM of the year finalists were announced. So they weren't, sorry, it wasn't handed out, but the, the finalists were announced. Uh, winner will be announced on Saturday. Uh, the three finalists were Julian Brisois of the Lieutenant Bay Lightning, Lou Lamorello of the Islanders and Jim Neal of the stars. And, uh, well, I don't know. Like the Lightning, I kind of feel like he doesn't really deserve it, and that's not really a knock on him. It's just it feels a lot of like Eiserman's work that is still yeah, kind of getting. It's I don't work know. In the like it's still getting carried state out. State of Florida's income tax. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it. But looking at his work, though, he did trade, added Barclay Goudreau, which la di da, uh, and Blake Coleman at the uh, at the trade deadline. Did also trade JT Miller to Vancouver, who pretty much had a career season, uh, 27 goals and 72 points in 67 games to kind of help free up cap space. He did bring in uh, Patrick Maroon and Kevin Shattenkirk. I feel like those two signings were kind of big. Patrick Maroon, we always dunk on him. He did, he's been involved in some big goals for them in the postseason. And also Kevin Shattenkirk had a pretty fucking phenomenal season. Uh, he, his underlying numbers were great, and he was playing big minutes for them. Uh, so that was one of the low, like one of the under radar signings that I don't think a lot of people really paid attention to last offseason. It was, he, but it it was also kind of like he had a down year. Just got a great discount at the thrift store. Yeah, exactly. Like he was definitely on the rebound, and they, they he was the one that took a chance. But still, he was the one that took the chance on him. So I mean, I guess I'll give yeah. him some credit for that. Uh, Zach Bogosian too, like signing him. That's how Marge Simpson found a Chanel suit. So there you go. Exactly. I know that reference. We all get that reference. Yeah. There's no. We don't need to follow up on that. So. Uh, Zach Bogosian, too, was another decent signing. And he also signed Luke Shen. So, I mean, Luke Shen's still Luke Shen, but that's not great. Bogosian was a fine signing, and they also had that one fucking nuts goal in the playoffs with uh, Blake Coleman. So, I guess that was probably the, what cemented him as a GM of the year with that one goal that Coleman and uh, Bogosian uh, teamed up for against the, the, the Bruins, like the two diving passes and the goal. Um, also re-signed Braden Point for... A, a laughable amount of money. Three years at six point seven five oh million, God. under seven million for Braden Point. Have you seen that guy play hockey? Have we all seen that guy play hockey? That guy deserves I, a yeah. lot of money to play hockey. I don't. Uh, can, can we also just mention how absurd that lightning goal was to win the game last night at with like oh eight my seconds left? God. Eight seconds. Let's talk about it. I 
Like just a fucking dagger to the heart I, of the Islanders. You know they played their yeah. They played a hell of a game, and then the Lightning just came in at the end and said, "Suck it." But you know what? I mean, fuck them. Uh, here's why. Also, the Islanders were down the nine forwards. They went with eleven forwards and seven defensemen last night. Point got hurt. Kalorn got kicked out. So the Islanders going to finish off that game. Also, fucking Barry Trotz. Where was the decision to play Andrew Ladd? last series why was Andrew Ladd out there last night like I didn't even know he was playing until I saw him watching that pass go by him to set up the game winner for Kucherov like why is he playing he's so bad and old now I, I didn't even know he was in the lineup but that pass <laughs> that pass and dunk from uh, McDonough and Kucherov were nuts I mean that was uh that was it's gotta suck that was just a heartbreaking thing to watch uh for the Islanders but uh you know, I hate to see it. Yeah, you just hate to see it. It's just a good team with a bad break. Uh, but speaking of those Islanders, uh, Lamorello is also up for the award. Added uh, J.G. Pajot and Andy Grant the deadline. Pajot for a 2021st, 2022nd, 2022 third. Green for David Quinville, uh, second cousin to Joel, and also not a, a great prospect. And a 2021 second. And Grant, Green also had the, uh, the turnover to McDonough before Kucherov's goal, so I wanted to mention that because... Andy Green and Nick Letter pissed me off in that Flyer series. <laughs> I'm still just furious. I I'm just furious that Andy Green like had significant plays against the Flyers. Because, it's amazing. God damn it, like he is Andy not, Green is just like he's old and oh, slow and bad. It. Yeah, like it's just he's like I don't think these are necessarily great moves here. Like Pajot is working out in the no, playoffs, but they not. definitely overpaid for him both in his contract extension and the deal to get him. Like. Yeah. That was a crazy deal to get him that I was glad the Flyers didn't do at the time, even though, yeah, sure, shit would have preferred Pajot over Grant and Thompson. Oh, uh, yeah, which, again, well, yeah, that stuff will dissect all goddamn fall, which is weird to say for a, a hockey offseason. But, yeah, no, I, again, that the 3 C spot needs to be locked up for the postseason next year. Patrick or not or whatever, they got to figure out something. Uh, all, his other moves, he brought in Simeon Varlamov, uh, you know, the great human that is the guy in that. 14-9-4, 9-13 save percentage, two shutouts. And he also signed uh, Cole Bardrell, who, yeah, why not? Uh, also re-signed Brock Nelson for six uh, six years at $6 million. Everly at five years, $5.5 million, who I, he's he's had a pretty good season. Or at least he's been playing pretty well in the postseason. Uh, and then Andres Lee for I seven like years, Everly. $7 million. Yeah, I like Everly, too. I, I was hoping the Flyers would look at him. Last summer, but I don't think they ever got the chance. I'm pretty sure he locked them up before free agency started. So, uh, and then Jim Neal uh, of the Dallas Stars, who signed Joe Pavelski, Corey Perry, and Andre Sector this offseason, traded Tyler Pitlick for Ryan Hartman, who only played in Minnesota. That's probably the only bad, I think, move he made all summer. Uh, re-signed Matthias Yalmark and Jason Dickinson, and I think, I mean. For him, I guess the big argument is his draft picks finally hitting because Miro Heiskanen is a fucking monster. Uh, third overall pick in 2017 leads the team with 21 points in 18 postseason games. I, I don't even know. I mean, that's just ridiculous. And he also logs a ton of minutes and plays in every situation. And the team is vastly better with him on the ice than off. Uh, Dennis Gurionov, 12th overall pick in 2015. Second on the team with 15 points. Also tied for Valsky for a team leading eight goals in the postseason. And then Rupe Hintz. Uh, who was taken in the second round in 2015, 10 points in 18 games, 18 playoff games. So all those picks came underneath uh, Jim Neal. And also he drafted Jake Ottinger, uh, 26 overall in 2017, made his uh, debut uh, filling in for Anton Kadobin on 
Tuesday night? Yeah, today's Thursday, right? Yeah. So made five saves on five shots in relief. Uh, had a couple monster seasons at BU, but he's supposed to be the guy in net going forward. So this one, like we were talking about before the show too, uh, GM of the Year award is just weird because like it feels like Lamarillo and Griswold were kind of put there for the work this year, but Neil is kind of a years leading up to this year kind of argument, which makes the GM of the Year award kind of weird because it's it, – it's not really work he did this year. It's kind of the work he did prior to this year that should be represented in, like, who wins it now. So I feel like it should go towards Neil because he's kind of been building something pretty good down there. The other two, like, Breezewell is just filling in for, like, that. that's all Eisman's work. Or a lot of it is Eisman's work, honestly. And then Lamarillo, yeah, I guess so. But, I mean, it's the Islanders. It's Lou Lamarillo. It's kind of annoying giving him credit. <laughs> You know, it's like with the Selkie, right? We've heard these names before. Oh, yeah. They're We've just heard always... that name before. Yeah. So, uh, Don Sweetie won it last year. No GM has won it twice. I did want to know that, note that Irishman won it 2014-15 with the Lightning, where a lot of the names are still on the roster. So, those are the awards. <laughs> um, I really have been just driving on that point. I don't know why I don't want him to win it so bad, but I guess uh, I guess that's where we're at. I don't really want Lamarillo to win it either, so I guess that's why I'm pulling for Jim Neal. I also just like... Uh, I, I think something worth noting too is the he got the roster and personnel built together where Jim Montgomery left midseason and Rick Ballinus came in and the team really didn't miss a beat. Like they kind of didn't play the best when Ballinus came in, but now they've kind of turned it around, got a goal scoring surge at the right time, and um, are able to, to be where they are right now. Uh, they were one of five teams during the regular season with only one 20 goal scorer, and that was Gurianov who hit exactly 20 goals, which is still ridiculous to say but again that kind of expresses how much depth they have and how important depth is to just winning in the postseason uh ben and hints had 19 goals second had 17 this regular season Rajal 15 pavelski 14 it's kind of crazy that pavelski only had 14 during the regular season now he's already up to eight in the postseason but uh yeah it's kind of absurd yeah that's uh that's hockey baby um do you want to talk about these flyers again get into uh i guess wrapping up that series whatever the hell the end of that series was, and then talk about some of these Fletcher quotes from the day. Uh, yeah, let's talk briefly on the end of the series, just because I think we we discussed the series a decent amount on the previous episode, but there were a couple of things we didn't get to. And then, yeah, we can talk about these Fletcher quotes and uh, get yeah. on to some of the goofy stuff and... Goofy, goofy yeah, stuff. Watch yeah. some football. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, exactly. That's what I mean, you know? That's what I'm trying to get to. But uh, the, I just wanted to talk about Konecki being an asshole in Game 6. I thought that was lovely. That's what I was looking for all postseason from him. Um, yeah, I mean, Broussard, had a very, very disappointing postseason. Ooh, yeah. I, I, I just felt so let down by the jerk store. But yeah, at was... least we had that one moment with that incredible, that incredible moment where, who was he mocking when he did that? I think it was Broussard. I think it was Broussard, It was just yeah. like, the face he made was just like, yeah, face, just giving like... Him, yeah, just let him know that he was just uh, not not a, not a fan of him. It it was hilarious in the moment, and it's still funny now. And it oh, was it's still funny. It's, yeah. it's one. It's probably my favorite post. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that game. That was. I mean, I I'm happy they just didn't roll over and and die after game four. Uh, I'm glad they fought back in game five, and game six was not pretty, but we got the connecting moments, and we got the pro rough overtime winner, and there's Limblom coming back, and it was, a, it was a lot of stuff going on. 
in game six. It was a gutsy game too. It was the gutsiest effort they had yeah. the entirety of the playoffs. And I know gutsy can be a very much a, a buzzword like grit and heart and all that, but it was gutsy and it was the flyers really, you know, cobbling together a win that they really did not deserve, did not deserve at all, and, but they got it. But, yeah, <laughs> but they got it. And it was, it, it showed a lot of heart that I think we, it was frustrating a lot in that Islanders series, not seeing that kind of heart from the flyers and seeing that kind of effort from them. And it's not necessarily, I, I don't know if they necessarily had the effort per se, but the fact that they were able to, to grind it out and, and get that win somehow, it, it, I don't know. It, it filled my heart with joy for at least one day. And then it was all crushed on, on two Saturday days later. For yeah, game seven. <laughs> I will say at least they had the courtesy to just, you know, go down early and make me massively disinterested by the end of the game. Cause it's worse if you get your heart broken in overtime. So I'd rather just be disinterested early that is on true. Yeah. and start flipping between that and other stuff on the TV. And it's, yeah, it would have been, it would have sucked a lot if they had somehow overcome the three, one series deficit and then lost in overtime too. Like if they had 2008 caps did, that would have really sucked ass. But, uh, they did not do that. They uh, let us know early on that we, they just weren't going to win the game. So it was nice of them in that way uh, to just kind of let us mail in our emotions by like the middle of the first period. Um, and then on top of that, according apparently uh, according to Jeff Skaversky, is that how you say his name? I've never actually heard his name pronounced. I've never watched ABC News. Uh, so after the Flyers got back to PHL, a bunch of players had dead batteries at their cars and they had been sitting in the parking lot for over a month. So a bunch of them had to just like wait even longer before they had to go home, they had to restart their, they had to jump their cars. So I thought that was, uh, it's kind of a nice little kick in the nuts too, on top of the whole trip or the way that the, uh, the playoffs ended for them to go through that as well when they came back. So, uh, and then what else here? Um, I mean, I was just going to run through some of the stats that involved the Flyers overtime wins in the series, uh, them overcoming a three, one series deficit. So, uh, there was the first time the Flyers won three overtime games in one playoff series. Only one team had ever won uh, every single game in a best of seven series in overtime. That's the 1951 Maple Leafs, who won uh, four of the five games in the 1951 Stanley Cup final in overtime. Also, all five games in that Stanley Cup final with the overtime. Montreal won one of them. Uh, Pro Ralph's two overtime winner in game six is the sixth time the Flyers have won a game that went to double overtime or longer in the postseason. Uh, it's the first double overtime winner from a defenseman in Flyers history. Uh, it's the fourth double overtime win uh, overall. Uh, Knubel was the most recent one. He won a game four against the Caps in the 2008 Eastern Conference quarterfinals. Uh, Ken Lindsman won in game three of the 1980 preliminary round against the Edmonton Oilers to complete the sweep. It was a best of five series. And then Don Blackburn, which we mentioned um Mentioned last week that game, uh, game six of the 1968 quarterfinals, Don Blackburn scored, uh, and it was the game that Bernie Prawn had 63 saves, the only 60 save game in the history of the Flyers. Uh, Myers and Proroff's winners are the seventh and eighth time OT winners have come, have been uh, defensemen in franchise history. Uh, Andre Dupont, Mark Howe, Carl Dykehouse, Eric Desjardins, Kevin Holler, and Andy Delmore uh, provided the other oh, winners. Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, and... I hear uh, Andy Delmore, and I just, let, you know, I get excited. I get pumped. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, uh, I, always, I, always I love think, Andy Delmore. Yeah, I mean, that's all I think about is that goal. Yeah, and the, the goal and the hat trick. So, um, that God, the Penguins must hate him after that series. Uh, which, good. Fuck him. 
Uh, first time ever being shut out in a Game 7 in franchise history as well. And it was the fifth time in franchise history they erased a 3-1 to series deficit. But still, the only time they have actually won a series after being down 3-1 in the series is the 2010 series against the Boston Bruins. So going through the history, uh, 1968, again, that blue series, the Flyers are down 3-1 to in the quarterfinals against St. Louis, lost in seven games. 1981, they were down 3-1 to in the quarterfinals against the Calgary Flames and lost. 1987, they were down 3-1 to in the Stanley Cup final against the Oilers and lost, and then this year against the Islanders. So, and 2010, obviously, was the only time they were down 3-0 and came all the way back because that has only happened a handful of times in hockey history, Stefan. So uh, that is wrapping up. The playoffs, I mean, was there... Uh, I, I don't really have anything to add. We kind of laid it all out there in their episode earlier this week. Um, I just thought we'd kind of wrap up some of the uh, interesting or noteworthy stats from the series. Uh, but I, I don't have anything else to add. They uh, just need to score goals and didn't. Kind of how I feel about it. And I think there's uh, some other questions, but I don't think it's as dire, I guess, as everybody's making out but to if be. If they had just been better conditioned, it would have been... It all would have been fine. Yep, that's what I'm saying. That's If they had just done a couple more suicides or wind sprints before the games, I think they would have been okay. That's my... Uh... I mean, I still think they were going to lose the Lightning, so yeah. maybe that's oh, why yeah. I haven't been as devastated as I could have been. I don't know. I, just, I think the Lightning I just don't think they're, they're they're not quite ready for primetime players here. They're they're almost ready, but they're not quite ready. I, yeah, I think they're close. And also, the Lightning aren't going to look like this every year, I think. But I think you're right. I... You know, even though they did beat the Islanders, I, I would be interested to see how this Lightning series would have gone down. Especially after you were outshot by the Islanders by a lot. I would have been interested to see how Carter Hart would have done with a lot more, uh, like, even high-quality chances. I feel like he would have been un, un, under a lot more pressure in this series. But we don't have to worry about that. Lars are gone. So we'll talk about, uh, and with that, Chuck Fletcher gave some quotes today. I pulled out two that I found interesting. Uh, one of them was about a goal scorer, uh, whether or not the Flyers need a goal scorer. And uh, I got these right from the websites, or these from Bill Meltzer. Uh, he said, quote, We'd all love another goal scorer. The top guys didn't produce, but they had a lot of zone time, a shot share, and expect the goal numbers were good. They just couldn't seem to score. But you've got to be careful. Like Flyers. But you've got to be careful sometimes of putting too much into any 13-game sample size. Now, as a stats guy, this quote right here, I mean, this is this is great stuff. This is this is like you just want to grind that up and snort it. Yeah, this is just this is what I live for. He just mentioned a whole bunch of stats bullshit in there, and I'm pretty sure he's just throwing it out there to kind of calm the masses when it comes to having a goal scorer. But I like to hear it because it's kind of true. The Flyers did, I mean, they they did all right at times. It wasn't like they were they just their guys did not hit the back of the net. And again, it's kind of hard to win when the entire team. Forgets how to score. Uh, and it wasn't exactly a, a system problem, I guess. I don't know. It kind of felt like they did get chances, and it wasn't exactly like they were getting murdered all the time. They didn't really play their best game the entire time, but it wasn't... I don't know. I Like, I kind of buy into that. I, I buy into the depth angle. Like, it's kind of hard. You build a team based on depth scoring and not having just one go-to guy, and that was kind of the calling card all year for the Flyers because connect me was a team leader with 24 goals and I like that's not really that's not really a go-to guy for scoring like he's your team leader but he's not it's not Poshnik or Matthews or something it's not something that other teams are going to game plan their entire system around uh but 
when nobody scores, you lose the angle of death, and then it becomes impossible to win. So, um, and then the other one I wanted to point out was uh, talking about uh, signing free agents and. Uh, I guess cap space, uh, quote, if the cap is flat for three years, some teams don't have space. Other teams, your young players are going to need new contracts. There's not a lot of liquidity in the system for three years. And uh, we have room to do our business, but not a lot of room. So it sounds like he's not going to be that active from free agency. I think you were already calling bullshit on that one, <laughs> but we'll see. Well, I mean, <laughs> like, that sounds the, like something he says. At least keeping things interesting. It yeah, just yeah, kind of yeah. sounds like something he has to say. Right. Uh, uh, I wouldn't be shocked, and, you know, we've seen some some talk about this, you know, here and there, if he did try to move one of the bigger contracts out to to free up some room for a move. There aren't, I was looking down, and I think we're going to do more on this next week, but I was looking down some of the, the pending free agents, and there's a couple guys I would love for the Flyers to get, and then there's just, like, it's pretty ho-hum after that. So I, I, I think the expectation is more to expect a move via trade or... I mean, really, the way the Flyers are set up, like, you need the young guys to continue growing and move into those roles at the top. Yeah. Yeah, that's a a fair way to put it. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it. Then, in that moment, you don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done, and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of, like, afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts. And so I, I think the one thing I want to note is uh, like the big contract. Tell Nolan Patrick to... Throw some dirt on those migraines, you know. Yeah, just tough just it throw out. Some bro. dirt on it, tough, Come it, tough on, it out. Come on, just get in there. You know what? Jesus. I don't even know if they're gonna tender him. You know, they might not even because no. he's gonna be an RFA. They might not even tender him because they're so done with him and his debilitating migraines. Although I'll tell you yeah. what, yeah. giving Patrick a tender because he's pretty soft. That makes a lot of sense if you ask me. <laughs> pretty, yeah, that's right. Maybe tough. Jesus Christ, dude, I can't take the Patrick <laughs> <text> right now. <laughs> this is not. We are team Patrick. Just get healthier. And honestly, if the Flyers can't figure Please out, this, just yeah, take your time, come back right, and don't rush it because if you do, that will just be worse for everybody. Yeah, I did. I want Nolan Patrick to succeed, and anybody else. I I don't know if there's people that don't want him to succeed or people that just flat out don't expect him to. But he's a talented, talented young guy, and I 
want him to come back right and have a great NHL career. Yeah, and I I think people are just I think people are pissed off that he's not ready yet, which I still think is kind of insane because it's a it's a hell thing out 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 of his control. Uh, and I think they, I think they're worried about the thing I'm worried about, which is the third line center position for next year. But I'm also not kind of putting that pressure on Patrick. I'm putting that more on Fletcher because I want him. To, like I think there is something there whenever he does get healthy, and we may never see it. And again, if that is the case, so be it. I'm not really going to drag him for it because he can't control it. But I just want Fletcher to have an emergency plan intact in case. Patrick isn't back in time for the postseason. I think he should have one anyways because Patrick does have an injury history and God knows he could just get hurt before the postseason too. So I'd rather them just kind of cement that and, you know, kind of go from there. But um, I do want to point out, or like I think it's kind of interesting that we were talking about movements on the big contracts and I, I threw out the idea of Voracek not even because he, not because he had, like he was invisible in the postseason, just because I thought he had a decent postseason, maybe not as much for the money he's making, but I think it was a postseason that probably could draw the attention of other teams. And there's a lot of term left for his age and his production, and I don't know if I would really hate moving that contract to free up some cap space. But, I mean, I like Jake, and I also think it's also worth noting that Meltzer and I think Martitas, who guys that work for the team are kind of like, you know, uh, are pretty close to the team, put out a podcast kind of defending why it wouldn't make sense to trade Jake or like why Jake should stay around. So I don't want to read too much into that, but that kind of feels like them letting the fans know don't get your hopes up with the Voracek thing too much. Or it might be them trying to alert other teams, hey, Voracek is pretty good in case you want to take on this contract. But I think it's more the maybe we shouldn't be expecting Voracek to go anywhere type of thing. Which again... Yeah. I I wasn't fully expecting him to go anywhere, and I think it's more wishful thinking from people who want to change things up, but I mean, Voracek's got a pretty big contract, and the fact of the matter is, like, he's still a producer on this team, mm. even if it isn't the production that people necessarily want, and you're not the the thing with Claude Giroux and Jake Voracek is no matter what the trade is unless like you're very very lucky or a team really really wants one of those guys you're not going to get the value you need you really for aren't. them back no and like Voracek again all I've been talking about and fucking bitching about is speed and Voracek is speed and strength on the puck and he just gets knocked a lot because he doesn't score a lot of goals but the guy does put up points and he does create a lot and I I think he does help in both just setting up the offense in the zone and transition play. And I think he's a vital member of the team. I just, uh, I mean, it is going to be a tight situation with the cap. And if the Flyers did want to kind of improve this offseason, they're going to have to figure out a way to do that. And I think Fletcher's going to do it. I think he is going to do it via trade. Just also based off of his kind of history now that we got to go off of, he does like to make trades and hopefully, um, I mean, hopefully it figures out something that works um, and not... They call them Chucky the... 2 trades for a reason. <laughs> That's right, baby. It's gonna, yeah, it's going to be the summer of Chucky 2 trades. He's going to have to... Or the fall of Chucky... What a fucking weird year. Yeah, it's going to be the fall of uh, Chucky 2 trades. Uh, just no Derek Grants or Nate Thompson's anymore, you know? Just let's get... I don't... Here's what I want in a hockey player. I want them to be good. And that's it. Like, that's the main thing I'm looking for. So, like, I don't know if Hot I want... <laughs> I don't know if I really want the Nate Thompsons and the Derek Grants anymore because you know they're not uh, they're not good. So 
I know Derek Grant scored like 15 goals a couple years ago, and that's great. I, I just don't care. I don't know. That's my uh, that's my stance, Steve. Sorry if that offense. So I'm sorry. Okay. I'm offended. But I'm very offended. good. You should be because it was a it's, a it's a hot spicy take. Uh, you want to talk about the other series? You want to make fun of the Islanders for a bit? Because I mean, we, I mean, we didn't really go in on a two win. A decent amount, but we can make fun of them. Yeah, a little fuck more. them. Let's keep going. I hate New York. So I mean, they won- they lost game one eight to two. I think the mind blowing stat about that was the Lightning rocked them so hard the Lightning did not miss a shot until there was like a minute and a half left in the game. So holy hell! Every time, every single time they shot the puck, it was either on net, mainly in the net. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And then also, or it was either blocked. So they did the, everything they were throwing. The Islanders had to work their way to make sure it wasn't going in. I thought that was pretty ridiculous. And also the Kucherov game winner, which we talked about. 8.8 seconds left in game two. And McDonough just slides a, a nice, nice pass just right across the slot. Andrew Latches looks at it, wonders what he's supposed to do about it. Forget he's out there on the ice and he's not up in the stands. It was beautiful. And Kucherov just slams it home. Uh, and I, uh, I mean, it was just a thing of beauty. I laughed out loud when that goal went in. I, I watched that entire game, and I laughed real hard when that goal went in. It was, I mean, it was a stunning goal. And the, the assault that the, the Lightning had at the end of that game, like, even if they hadn't scored, it would have been just like, the Islanders would have gone to the dressing room just kind of like, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, I, like, it's just a deflating goal because, again, 8.8 seconds, like, oh, oh, that Ugh. hurts. Oh, but also... In a game where they outshot the Lightning. Yeah. I mean, the Lightning, again, were they down a They played a pretty good but... game. No, they played a pretty good game. And also, they were 8.8 seconds away from an overtime where they could have milked it when the, the Lightning only had nine forwards. So, like, to miss that opportunity, it's just got to it's gotta suck. And I think uh, Kalorn, Kalorn did get suspended a game because he did. I mean, Brock Nelson, name aside, there's really not anything I don't like about him, but he got fucking roughed up last night. I mean, he took that hit from Kalorn into the boards, which was pretty cheap. And then Barkley Goudreau, I don't know how he didn't get anything for... He cross-checked him in the face, and then he drove his face into the boards, and it looked like Nelson should have been taken out of the game. I thought he was concussed. I don't know why he... But again, you know, I mean, I don't like the name Brock, but like, he didn't deserve that much abuse for it. You know, he he, he didn't name himself. He, he There's nothing wrong with that. So, that's... It's just it's a tough break for him, and uh, I hope he's fine now. We'll we'll probably find out tomorrow, but that's uh, I think I don't think they're done because they're the Islanders, and they're probably gonna figure out a way to be really annoying and score up a turnover tomorrow, win one nothing, and then work their way back into the series. But uh, I think this game, this series is going like five or six. I, I don't. I, I don't think it's going seven. I, 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 think I hope not. Yeah. Trotz has a lot of magic, but I don't know if he's got enough to, especially just because the lightning are on such a roll now. Like after they figured out Columbus, like they had a tough friggin' time with Columbus, but once they figured them out, they've really looked locked in. Yeah. They, yeah. I mean, they mowed down the Bruins and now they're working through the Islanders and yeah, you're I, you know, maybe for our psyche, maybe it was, Kind of good that the Flyers didn't make it to the Eastern Conference Final. Guys <laughs> are dragging the team through. At the Carter Hart would have dragged the team through the Canadians and Islander series to then get probably shellacked by Kucherov and company. Would have been maybe not. Fun like, it would have been a. It, we would have been full on like Godfather mode. Like look what they've done to my boy. <laughs> like Carter Hart lets up like t- fifteen goals in a game. <laughs> Fifteen goals and he stopped twenty breakaways and he's been killing off a five one three for like a period. Like it would have been gross. It would have been 
his numbers would have looked terrible, and he would have been under nine hundred save, like a nine hundred save percentage. But the Flyers would have been giving up like sixty shots a game, fifteen goals on on a hundred <laughs> shots. Yeah, it would have been. Did I ever tell you? I used to uh, I used to write for the Bucks County Herald, so I'd go and I cover high school sports for the Bucks County Herald. I actually covered I covered football back in twenty twelve, and that was when Josh Adams was on the team. So I interviewed Josh Adams way back in the day. And I remember he had like a four touchdown, two hundred fifty yard game, and he was like, "Yeah, I was kind of off tonight." And I was like, "No, you, no, you were not." By the way, I was out there, <laughs> but like I covered a hockey game. Team lost eleven to nothing. One of their goalies made sixty six saves and gave up eleven goals. I'd fucking quit hockey if that was my stat line after that. Made sixty six <laughs> like it, and like there wasn't like a. I think the team only had. Uh, 10 skaters, I think, was the issue. So, like, the one team was absolutely wiped. And then it was just the goalie just making side-to-side saves the entire game. And so we gave up 11 goals. Like, I would just quit the team. I'd be like, you know what? I did my job tonight. I don't, I, I, I don't know what to say. Like, I made 66 saves. You guys going to give me a goal or something? Any kind of goal support. I'm not doing this anymore. But I'll that's, see you guys. That's, yeah, I felt like it would have been I, four games I could games literally do anything. It would be more rewarding <laughs> than what was done tonight. Yeah, so like that, I feel like that would have been card hard. Just like after each game, he had like 55 saves and an 8-1 loss. He was like, you know what? I'm not even upset. I showed up. I don't know what to say about you guys. So that's what I think that's what it would have gone down. Um, and then the Knights Dallas series, I mean, that was it's just a 1-1 series so far. I thought, I mean, Vegas is probably going to start pulling away here. I think Dallas just got a goal-scoring surge at the right time. Like, they, I don't think there's any other way they could have been the, the Avs if they didn't I mean, if the Avs huge... hadn't, you know, gone through goalies like the Flyers of two years ago, then Man, yeah. I, I think they probably would have pulled that series. And also, the Avs in Game 7, I think half their roster was injured. Yeah, no, they were, like, they, it was the kind of perfect storm to help the Stars get into the uh, Western Conference Final. And I like the Stars. Again, they were kind of like my dark horse pick early on this year, but they should not have beaten. Like, if the Avs were a little healthier, and also if the Stars just didn't have like they just had an uncharacteristic or uncharacteristic amount of scoring in that. Like that was the highest scoring series ever, I believe. Uh, I didn't look it up for the show, but like that's the Dallas the Dallas Stars showed one twenty goal score. Yeah, and the Avs are absolutely loaded on offense and have Nathan McKinnon. So there was no like for the the Avs to lose that series somehow. It's just yeah, it's just kind of insane. But speaking of insane, I do want to talk about this because we've talked on the Islanders, but I mean. Let's talk about Jim Rutherford, man. He's I like what he's building out there in Pittsburgh. I kind of like the team he's going for. So according to Rob Rossi of The Athletic, uh, Chris Attack thinks he's about to get traded, which let, let's do it. <laughs> Fuck it, dude. Let's do, let's get him out of town as quick as possible. Keep Jack Johnson. So, so the Penguins have already gone and fired their assistant coaches to get the fuck out of here. And half their roster thinks they're getting traded. Basically, everybody who's not Crosby or Malkin is paranoid about getting traded right yeah. now. Yeah, and then they fired all the assistant coaches. Brought in an assistant coach who took a cup-winning team and then also didn't win a playoff series in two years with them. Brought it, put him on the bench because that's how you have a winning, pedig- uh, winning uh, pedigree. Yeah, and then also... Yeah, now I mean, apparently I'm looking over Michel Therrien right now. And, yeah. yeah, you know what? That may fire him and let him go be the power play assistant with the uh, the Pens again. That's fine. I don't care. Michel Therrien, I that's a he's got to be gone. I don't know. I'm that the power play struggled in the regular season and in the playoffs. And uh, yeah, whatever. But let's talk. We're, we're making fun of the Penguins right now. So Latang, um, this is from Rob Rossi. Said, uh, "Quote in the days following the Penguins' loss in the Stanley Cup playoffs qualifying round last month." 
Shortly after sharing with team officials' desire to retire a penguin, Latang told several teammates he expected to be traded this offseason. And then a, a couple paragraphs later, uh, Rossi added, quote, but neither ownership nor management believes the Penguins will be better without Latang, who has two years remaining on his contract, and the return of Todd Reardon. You're right. <laughs> the return of Todd Reardon as assistant coach is the first pe- part of the Penguins' plan for the tank to quote be that guy again. Quote a team's voice told the Athletic. So might be Latang being I, paranoid, but I don't know. Yeah, what I was gonna say is like, okay, so Latang's never gonna be that guy again. It's just not gonna happen at this point in his career. But yeah. he is still the Penguins' best defenseman, and they do need to keep him around. But I don't, I don't, th- I don't see him being that guy again. At this point, I just love that he went up to the officials like, I'd love to retire a penguin. Then he turns to everybody. He's like, shit ain't going to happen. I'm fucking out of here. <laughs> yeah, she's like, I'm, I'm out of here. Yeah. No, they, uh, no, he will never, he can never be the shutdown guy. But I think him, him and uh, Brian Dumoulin, like that top pair can work as a top pair. Like even as a Flyers fan, I think I think like they, they have pretty good play driving numbers. And Latang isn't going to be like the. The creek clear, but Doomlin can kind of play that role. And the Tang, the Tang has been playing like shit. I mean, uh, he's got two more years at seven point twenty-five, or yeah, seven point twenty-five million. Uh, he had forty-four points in sixty-one games this year, fifteen goals, and he also had sixteen goals in 2018-19. So offensively, he's still producing, and his numbers, like his defensive numbers, aren't like whoa, we got to get this guy off the team. I mean, the team does give up more, a lot more chances he's on the ice, but I think Doomlin does help kind of cancel that out. Uh, so that's a th- if they want to bring in another defensive piece and move Dumoulin down to the third or the second pair and maybe bring in a like maybe they sign a Brendan Dillon and then you have the top pair of Dillon Latang that would make sense but they Latang is not like not the problem I, I don't know like he he's not the problem there so I like if you give me a world where he's trading Latang and Len Schultz walk, who is not the same player I know, but and he's keeping Jack Johnson. I really like GMJR. I like what he's building out there. I kind of like what he's piecing yeah. together with his Penguins team. Yeah, I mean, do it absolutely. I'm so excited to see what happens with Murray too, and it would be hilarious I, if yeah. they decided to just hold on to Murray and trade Yari instead, which would be the wrong move. But uh, I don't see that happening. But that would be very funny. They no, I think they. Uh, LeBron had a tweet today about uh, Murray was in trade like the prop and trade talks with the Oilers, and the yeah. Oilers were like, "No, thank you." <laughs> That's that should tell well, you the market for I, Murray. <laughs> what I what I read was something like the asking price was like, "Oh yeah, well, uh, Murray for a first and something else," and like, "Oh no, no." Yeah. Well, and then I saw uh, Jeff Vallette was uh, who's a, a, a lease blogger was talking too that like he was kind of theorizing that maybe that was what was the original part of the Kapanen deal and why that deal ended up looking so lopsided because maybe he thought Murray was supposed to be going to Toronto and then when they were like no they were just like all right what about a first instead and then that ended up being the 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 package so I don't know maybe that was what was going on there. But uh, we'll never know. We'll find out soon when Latang is traded to who could use Latang. I don't even know who could use it. Anybody but Pittsburgh would be great to see Latang getting traded to. I think that would be funny. If uh, hopefully it happens, we'll see. Uh, again, Jim Rutherford really, really doing well out there. Um, before we get into the nonsense, I was going to touch on the uh, lone players the Flyers have out there right now. Just go over some of their stats. There's a, I just wanted to do a quick update. No, nobody cares, but I just wanted to throw it out there. A German Rufsoff. Zero points and minus two in three games with the HK Sochi and the KHL. Uh, 
Maxime Shushko, you can look up this goal, Steve, because I was laughing at it earlier. It uh, has one goal and two pims with a minus one rating in three games with Dynamo Minsk in the KHL, but his goal was uh, he grabbed the puck below the goal line, like right near the boards, and threw it on net, and the goalie was just not like on the post for some reason. Had like the worst post coverage I think I've ever seen in my life. And I think he backed off like the middle of his back and in, and the goalie was just like, oh no, and like fell in on top of the puck. So it was great. It was a good goal. Uh, and then dynamic. <laughs> hey, there you go. Uh, and then uh, David Kasha and uh, Lena Sandin have not played yet for their new uh, clubs they are loaned to. Uh, David Kasha's HC Tart- Money Millionaires are going to be very yeah. upset. You, you know, I'm still. I that's we're living in this world where you came up with that nickname now. It's two different timelines for me. I can't believe we got to live with that shit. So HC Carlova very. <laughs> And the Czech Tipsport Extra Liga are can consider themselves uh, cash or money millionaires, unfortunately. And then uh, Sandin is with HV seventy one, the SHL. And yeah, so that is uh, that is that. Uh, now we're getting into the bullshit. Let's talk about the nonsense. We've finally got some some good perps topics to talk about. Uh, we wanted to start doing rankings on this show more often, like some top fives. But uh, we did have the Kentucky Derby recently steven and you suggested that we should rank the kentucky derby horses names and yeah because horse names are stupid absolutely stupid i mean there's so many horses and they gotta yeah i guess you can't duplicate so you just get into the area of just like any words you throw together are just you know like that that's a horse's name like they have to be coming from like a word generator at this point (laughs) yeah absolutely and some of them like even all things considered, I, th- I still think some of these are pretty impressive, considering all the horses that have ever lived and you can't rename. Because I think that's the rule with horses. Like, you can't, it's not even just in horse racing. It's like any horse ever had to have been named, and there's like a huge encyclopedia of horse names, and you, you just can't repeat. So, could you imagine if that was the case for people? It would be, good lord. Oh my god. I mean, these are like akin to XFL names, almost. <laughs> it's getting there. Yeah, it's really, we're pushing it. I'm going to run down the whole list and then we can do a, a quick ranking of these. But here are your Kentucky Derby horse names. You've got Authentic, Tis the Law, Mr. Big News, Honor AP, Max Player, Storm the Court, Enforceable, New York Traffic, Necker Island, Major Fed, Sole Volante, Winning Impression. Money moves, attachment rate, and South Bend. <laughs> South Bend is dead last already. I don't want to think about Notre Dame. South Bend sucks. Yeah, that's. I'm glad that's the last get one. Your Notre I Dame think... stuff. Get, get out of here. Get I think they here. finished in the last two, which good. Like you should, you should know that's a bad name. I did want to talk about money moves because then we, as, as this podcast just alluded to, uh, we can do cash and money moves. So fuck you, Steve. You and, then, and then there's other. Uh... <laughs> it's all about the Benjamins, baby. Which one? Uh, which one money hits moves you? Money sounds like. Well, I was gonna say money moves sounds a lot like you know in baseball when you trade somebody and get cash considerations. Yeah, it's yeah, that's like that. yeah. It's just Billy Bean. Um, just nothing about money moves. You know my, I just going down this list real quick. I think my favorite might have been Mister Big News. Mister Big <laughs> News is my so favorite. weird. Mister Big News as a joke like, is my favorite. Storing the court, I actually think is pretty creative. For I, I don't know, like that one, I, I kind of like. But Mister Big I kind News of is just storing the court. Yeah. Mr. Big News is fucking hilarious, yeah. Like something like uh, a a very rich person names their dumb dog. It's like, oh, (laughs) Mr. Big News. Like, I can just see that. 
or like an alien just, villain. I, it just sounds you know, like Mr. Big News isn't gonna like that. It just sounds like somebody who's bitter to find out that like somebody else has good news. Like somebody's like, oh. My wife's pregnant. They're like, oh, Mr. Big News walking in here. Big life news for us, huh? I gotta be happy for you now? Like, that's what it sounds like. I could, it just sounds like somebody being Yeah, pathetic. I could totally see somebody at, like, the local cheesesteak shop going, oh, look at Mr. Big News over here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, me and Jess got, you know, engaged. Oh, oh, Mr. Big News over here. I gotta flood your news in front of me, huh? I'm trying to work over here, okay? Mr. Big News. That's what it sounds Max uh, Player. Max Player. Yeah. Max Player pretty good because it reminds me of Max Power. Honor AP, isn't that a what's the what's the show with uh, uh Patton like Oswalt? Physics and or something? A, yeah, that was gonna say. That's all I'm thinking about when I hear that right now. Glenn that's Howerton. Like, yeah, yeah. So that's uh, have you watched any of that? Is that good? I have not, but uh, at the rate I am running through shows right now, I'm probably gonna, gonna be watching throw it. it on because yeah. <laughs> I mean I'm, I'm rewatching Justified right now, which is great, but it's you know it's a rewatch. That's where I'm at. Yeah. Um, other ones. I mean, uh, Winning Impression seems lame. I don't know. New York Trap. Yeah, uh, Tis the Law, pretty good. It's, yeah. it's a little weird, but I can get back I like the, to I like uh, the Tis Forcible's cool. I do, yeah. That is kind of... It sounds nice. like an off-brand perfume. A major Fed. I mean, I'm not... I mean, that feels like a narc right there. I'm not really... That's, that should, that's right above South End. I'm not dealing with that stuff right there. Uh, winning Impression. I mean... That's... That's know. stupid. I don't like that. That's not great. Uh, Necker Island. I don't. Is that something? I'm supposed to know what that I is. I don't know. I've never, <laughs> <laughs> All right. New York traffic is a weird one. Yeah, New York traffic is a weird one. Uh, that also just that's like the definition of we've got too many horses. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, you shouldn't be naming a living, breathing thing New York traffic. I, I don't know. Like, we're not naming stuff like. Are you naming your horse after the worst thing in the world? Yeah, that's we're not. It it's like, like. Well, I'm expecting like L.A. smog to be like another one, or like like we're not naming or like Cleveland like cloudiness. Like that just sounds Jersey sad. swamp water. <laughs> yeah, the Jersey Turnpike. That would be a terrible name for a horse. Let's get in there and do it. So you ever do the Jersey Turnpike? Not a good time. God, I don't think. I'm, God, I don't. I don't. I, I'm still not sure it's real. I, I I I don't think I don't know if anybody's ever done it. Yeah, so we'll we'll find out. Uh, attachment rate, I okay, I, you know, uh, sure. So I, I'm gonna say uh, South Bend and uh, Major Fed are probably at the bottom list for me. South Bend really is. I mean, and I'm happy they came in last. I think. Um, the, yeah, and these went down in North. So I guess Authentic won. I don't even keep up with the Kentucky Derby. Who cares? Who cares? I mean, God, yeah, seriously. Look at the horses. Great. Okay. <laughs> I've never, I have never cared for the Kentucky Derby in any way, shape, or form. I, I think people got really pumped about Smarty Jones, and then Smarty Jones hit the Philly thing and choked. Uh, who's the? And then somebody won the, uh, they won the Triple Crown a couple years ago. I already forget the name of that horse, but it's a horse. Yeah, yeah, and they, I guess they hung that uh, the horse jersey and the horse rafters after he won that, so that was pretty impressive. But I'm going with Mister Big News. Mister Big News is my Mister Big News, the winner. Yeah, he's hands down. That's the hands down. Yeah, that's uh, and honestly, tis the law. I think like those two deserve to have second in show. Like those are grade A names, and those that's what they they're they're serious about that. I'm putting those. I'm two gonna throw the Max Player up there too because Max Player's up there. Yeah. Max Power. Max <laughs> Power. Yeah. Max we could do power. it. Uh, and then uh, if we're doing our uh, alteration, I mean Kasha Money Moves, I would put that. I I put that right up there with Mister Big News. <laughs> Probably Mister Big Moves, Kasha Money Moves, and then Tis the Law. And yeah, I mean, after that, it's all rank him how you want. 
You know, this is you're allowed to rank them. We don't have to do this. I, this is not. I think I think we giving our top three to four to five. It's, it's good enough. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> we always do that where we try to rank like twelve things and we get lost over ranking them, and we spend like. 20 well, and then it takes like, like it takes forty five minutes, and then it's like, oh, what, what what even is this podcast at this point? You know who we should bring in to help clean up, you know, the clutterness every once in a while on this podcast, and it sounds like the NHL is already doing it. Do you like that segue? That's a pretty good segue. That was a good segue. It, it's again, it's, it's a better segue if you just, <laughs> just roll with it. But... <laughs> it's uh, it John Taffer, who uh, we didn't put down what the news was with him today. Let me look that up real quick. But I have it. I have it right here, and this was sent to us by way of uh, of listener Haji four thirteen. I I'm probably mispronouncing that Hodge, but thank you for sending that. He said this is prime spicy flyperbole tent if I've ever seen it. Uh, NHL public relations. NHL launches new interview series pre gaming presented by New Amsterdam Vodka, hosted by John Taffer. The digital series will premiere tonight on the NHL's Facebook and IGTV platforms. So I guess I'm gonna have to check. Oh out. my god, we're missing. Uh, we're <laughs> missing it. There's just three sports going on right now. There's a hockey game, a baseball game, and a football game, and the rowdy friends are all up in arms. But yeah, John Taffer. <laughs> uh, we have talked about John Taffer and Bar Rescue on here before doing Hockey Rescue. You're a disgrace to your coach. <laughs> what would your family think? But it's it's kind of remarkable that we're seeing our worlds collide. It's like if if Guy Fieri just showed up at the middle of a hockey game and dropped the opening puck. You know, it's yeah. it, it's a clashing of worlds and it's wonderful. I would just love to see John Taffer berate somebody and then like do the whole, the gamut, you know, of emotions where it's like, he starts out going like, what are you even thinking? You're such a disgrace to your team. You're ruining lives. And then at the end, he's like, listen, you're a good kid. You can turn this around. Okay. He's got to learn book control. I just like the idea now of picturing. Oh yeah. I hope they keep stealing from our world. I hope they do. Guy Fieri does like the opening face-off for the short in 2020-21 season. And he just comes out the center ice and he starts spraying like doxy sauce all over the puck and player. So I'm like, that's his, that's what he does. Like, that's his thing. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, this is great for the league. Uh, they need to shape up. Uh, it's going to, I mean, the league is a failing bar going out of business. So I'm glad he's here to rescue us. And uh, it should be good entertainment. And, great uh, for the league, think, better for our brand. I need to get, I think, I think I need to get John Taffer in here on my life. Just start yelling at me about stuff. I think that's why I got to get going on. You know, that's probably what the uh, yeah, that's what it is. So we'll we'll see what I'll reach out to the NHL, see if they can give me a sell, and then I'll uh, I'll call them out. Pod rescue with with John Taffer coming <laughs> to a television set near you? Probably not. What what other thing we wanted to bring up? Because <laughs> what are we without our ongoing bits and our love slash hate of terrible late nineties, early two thousands music? Uh. This is more just something I found funny. Uh, so the Sixers recently lost a bid for building a new stadium at Penn's Landing. They were going to build a really weird looking stadium that kind of looked like a, I don't know, something in space. <laughs> I'm not sure. Uh, but it, it, they there were four bids for redeveloping. Penn's Landing, and I just, you know, I have to say congratulations to Fred Durst of the Durst Organization for winning the de- developing, the winning bid for developing Penn's Landing. So, congratulations! There you you did it all for the nookie. <laughs> it's going to be red hats everywhere, red backwards hats, and... <laughs> just white beaters, yeah, that's right. <laughs> large khaki pants. 
It's gonna it's everything people loved. Yeah, what well, the first day shitty covers of Who songs. The first day they get on the uh, the site, they're just gonna look around. And be uh, just gonna be like, take a look around, look at this place. And then when it comes to uh, disagreements on what they should do with uh, pushing uh, the development forward, they're gonna be like, uh, it's a lot of he said, she said, but this is what we're gonna put out there. So those are my two. Those are my two additions to this Limp Bizkit routine. That's what I got. That's my Limp Bizkit jokes. There is, of course, going to be the break stuff zone where you get to get rid of whatever you want. It's it's a lot like the rage room at the or the what is it the disassembly room what, the disassembly room of course not the spectrum room where you can do whatever you want no no it's nothing like that it's the no, disassembly it's room it's yeah. totally it's different a completely concept. different thing that we don't deserve any cut off yeah that's right completely <laughs> different thing no the Durst organization has nothing to do with Limp Bizkit as far as I know but it was a prime opportunity to make some jokes about my least favorite early 2000s band because they sucked but uh here we are joking about Limp Bizkit and also speaking of shitty bands from that era that Smash Mouth concert, the Sturgis oh, Motorcycle God. Rally, oh, yeah, is even... the gift that yeah. keeps on giving, but it's a gift that no one wants because they gave a shit ton of people coronavirus. Yeah, I mean, I forgot to put that in the outline, but what was it like? It connected to like 250 new cases or 250,000 new cases or something obnoxious? Something like that. Like, yeah. it's a percentage of the national, like, the percentage of the national, like, positive results came from. That Sturge's motorcycle rally, apparently. So uh, it was not, you know, maybe not not the not the best idea. We gotta call it that. Uh, and uh, thanks, Smash Mouth. Thank Paul Smash Mouth for being a bunch of assholes about it. Two hundred and sixty thousand new cases. Jesus are contributed to the Sturge's motorcycle rally. Again, folks, we shouldn't have to tell you this at this point, but wear a damn mask. Wash your damn hands, please. Just, just, just. Just do these things. Just do these things. Yeah. Please don't get yeah, COVID. Yeah. Please don't get COVID. And especially, don't get COVID to see Smash Mouth. <laughs> Out of all the bands to go. Yeah, exactly. Out of all the things like, to go. What, what's go the before? bare minimum? musical act it would take to get you out of the house to risk coronavirus to see like it would take nothing short of a led zeppelin reunion for me to leave my house me i mean no i think it'd be about smash mouth i'm looking at third eye blind you know again i'm a i'm a covid truther i don't really believe it's real you know me that's kind of where my stance is so uh i think uh i would have been i would probably win there god smack (laughs) And stained, of course. Like if, stained, man, of course, yeah. if Aaron Lewis of Stained was doing a, a solo set, you'd be there in a heartbeat. I don't want to hear Aaron Lewis's thoughts on COVID. I'm pretty sure he actually is a COVID denier. <laughs> if I were to take a guess, I'm not to, not to get too yeah. But uh, I don't know other bands. Uh, I like the Cars. We could do that. Uh, you know, if Metallica only did their first four albums, we could do that as well. Uh, you know, something like something along those lines would probably be. I think that would be what would get me out of the house to. Go get some COVID. But, uh, you know, just in general, I'm not doing it. Just stay inside and wear a mask. Wear both of them. You don't want to hear the Metallica album where Lars Ulrich plays, like, steel drums the entire time? <laughs> Saint Anger? No, thank you. Oh, <laughs> oh God. Saint Anger. The, the name of that Saint song alone Anger. Yeah, it's one of the worst fucking Jesus albums Christ. in the history of it's music. It's so bad. Yeah. Never forget that Metallica ended Napster over a shitty song to Mission Impossible 2. Never forget. Oh God, yeah, they really, you know, again, they they could have just stopped at the four albums. If they just stopped making music at the four albums, I think the world would be a better place. Like, I think, I don't know, there'd probably be world peace, like probably 
loves world hunger. I don't know. That's all. Let's just go around the league. I don't want to think about Metallica fucking things up for everybody. Because, just... I mean, you're going to become St. Anger himself <laughs> if you keep thinking about it. So let's go Well, it's definitely thing. made everybody very frantic. I, nobody's going to remember these fucking songs on the album because the album is so bad. <laughs> it's it's so bad. Yeah, there's no, uh, there's no Sweet Amber to save us here. So uh, Around the league, Mark Recchi has been named a uh, assistant coach with the New Jersey Devils. Uh, of course, everybody, at least I forgot that Lindy Ruff was named the Devils head coach because that's just what this year is. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's been lost, and he's not going to coach a game for them probably until the middle of, uh, it sounds like uh, the the start of December has kind of been ruled out. So it looks like either late December, I, I think early January, mid-January is what they're actually aiming for. So we'll see Lindy Ruff then. Uh, Pierre McGuire is out of the running now to become the next Coyotes GM. Apparently he you was You know, Doc, the they told me to hit time. the bricks, and I said, well, guess what? I found out Taylor Hall really loved ice cream when he was 10 years old, and what other GM is going to tell you that? You're not going to get Taylor Hall back because you didn't sign Pierre Maguire. I'll see you, Doc. <laughs> he went on. I was cracking up because he was talking about uh, there was a peewee team that had, like, Michael Hutchinson, Stamkos, like, a bunch of, like, players, and he was like, one of the great things about my job is I get to go back and look and see where all these players came from. I'm like, yeah, Pierre, that, you're the only guy that gets really super pumped about that. I want you to know that. The only but, one that does that. Yeah. Nobody else does but that. But I did enjoy you're it, too. You're doing something that nobody neither wants or needs. It's but, not a need. Okay, yeah, it's thanks. Not a, it's quasi-interesting when you do it once a game, but every play, it's, you know. Uh, I, did... I, feel like, I feel like every year Pierre is up for one of these shitty GM jobs. And it's, it's like talked about as a serious candidate for like a day and a half and then it's like no 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 pierre's not actually yeah like, well, we're not doing that yeah yeah because he was in the running at one time for the penguins one i think his name was brought up for the wild opening which we'll talk about former wild gms in a second here but uh i also enjoyed he did go on uh tsn 690 this week and said he wasn't against analytics but then at the same time, he said uh, Gregor Campbell's line, the fourth line, uh, had a huge impact on the Bruins' win in 2011 and asked how the Oilers, Sabres, and Panthers are doing, the implication being that they totally bought into analytics, which I said a couple of weeks ago, the Panthers did the exact opposite of that. They tried to start doing analytics, and then Darren Dreger said, why are the computer boys beating up Dale Talon? And then Dale Talon took over the team again and kind of drove it into the ground. So that's not really analytics. Uh, also, Edmonton had fucking Peter Shirelli trading away guys like Hall and Everly, which there's nothing in the numbers that said you should do that. And so all the fucking, and also the whole thing is you need to have both. That's what everybody has said for a while now is to utilize both. So uh, Pierre Maguire, I hope he does run a team one day because I want to see how quickly he turns it into a cellar dweller. So Paul Fenton. And so they finally gave me full control of the team and I am going to make it fantastic. Two days later, it's on fire. It's just literally on fire. Yeah. Paul Fenton has joined the Panthers front office. Uh, I believe that was what Michael Russo reported. So Paul Fenton, former GM of the Wild, who gave us all those great quotes about lizards and stuff like that. That's uh, mm. back in business. He is the Lizard King. That's right. Uh, and then the last hockey note is the NHL draft to be held on October 6th and 7th. And then today... Uh, yesterday when I was thinking, I'd say it's the first day ever the NHL, NFL, MLB... NBA, MLS, and WNBA will all play on the same day. Thought that was just worth mentioning because it's a crazy thing happening in the world and what we call our lives. So that is uh, that's that's it for Runley. I'm, I'm done talking now, Steve. What a time to be alive! What a what time! A time. Yep. To be alive. Yes. <laughs> well, 
we're gonna get out of here so we can go watch the multitude of sports that are on i mean i just saw i saw a few minutes ago jt real moto hit a home run which you know no always makes me sad at this point because i just think about him not signing the, <laughs> it's the second podcast i brought that up and i i hope some phillies people are listening because i'm upset about this happening and it's, oh i think everybody is happening, yeah. But I, yeah i think yeah we're all upset yeah uh yeah, but there's lots of sports on. We got to go enjoy them. And yeah, that's pretty much it. Folks, thank you so much for listening. If you have any feedback for us, the best place is on twitter.com.org.edu.ca. You can reach Craig at Sports Are Bad. Yeah, uh, I'm going to start doing draft stuff next week. Uh, and I assume we're going to start doing player season reviews. I'll chip in with that too. And uh, that's that's pretty much it. Just look out for the draft stuff. I am going to start trying to add uh, some prospects to the draft corner here, too, since we got a few weeks until the draft. I uh, thought I'd bring that back from a couple years ago. Oh, and then, uh, yeah, just uh, that would be a good way to milk some time, talk about, like, two or three prospects each week, and uh, talk about guys I want to see the Flyers draft, and then watch them get drafted by, like, the uh, Devils and Rangers and be a pain in the ass in about two or three years. So uh, it'll be fun. It'll be a good time. It'll be exciting. I mean, Craig, I'm... At this point, I'm this close to just making you watch a show along with me, and then we just talk about that instead. Oh, yeah, we could we could do TV that, TV or movie podcast? Yeah, like I do. Movie, uh, something like that? I do want to say, uh, you know, there's a... Uh, because I, I do need to circle around and start pointing out when I'm right, because uh, people kind of forget about it. Kel McCarr was one of the big players I used to mention a lot in the draft corner leading up to the 2017 draft. So I just wanted to throw that out there. That was uh, I was a big fan of him beforehand, and there was a lot of people going, oh, he's all offense. I'm like, yeah, that's kind of the point. And... Uh, been kind of working out for the abs. <laughs> so uh, we're going to get back into it. I'm excited. Look, look, look at something good. I'm excited too. Yeah. Love some draft corner. Craig, sports are bad. I am at Flyperbole or at Estevan, but for your hockey needs, make it Flyperbole. Follow BSH Radio, follow Broad Street Hockey. Quick programming note, we are going to one a week for the most part. We will try to do two a week wherever possible, but for the most part, we will be doing one a week during the off season, which is still... More than zero. So hooray for that. More than zero. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Folks, thank you so much for listening. Wear a damn mask. Wash your damn hands. Keep that social distance. All that good stuff. Until next time, in the words of the great Gene Hart, good night and good hockey. Hello everybody, this is Flyperbole. It is a podcast about hockey, mostly the Flyers, but also other hockey things, like other hockey teams that play the sport of hockey. Steve, but not Steve Hartnell and Craig. But not Craig Ruby. No, this isn't all those hockey guys. These are the guys who watch the hockey sport. Yeah! Hello, I'm Nilay Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. 
We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts.